I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show. I'm Big Douglas. That's the rapper Big Pooh. And he is the Super Bowl champ, Joe Theismann, and we appreciate him giving us some time today. Joe, how are you? I'm great, guys. I guess I'm the only one of the three of us that doesn't have a big in his first part of his name. <laughs> Not the first one to have uh, noticed. You could be big as a matter, if you like. As a matter of fact, everything I was called, I was always called Little Joey, so it's two bigs and a little right now. Perfect. Uh, Joe, Super Bowl champion, NFL MVP, and restaurateur. The, uh, the restaurant in Old Town has been around since, what, 86? Uh, yeah, about 85, 86. Yeah. We've been there almost 30 years. Been a long, my, long time. Uh, my cousin Amazing. Drew has been in the restaurant business for a long time. I'm curious your thoughts. I would bet that's the hardest of the three that there is, is to maintain a restaurant that long. It's incredible. Well, it is, uh, especially when it has quote unquote, a person's name on it, but it speaks to the staff that I've had and the management team. Um, I was, I was very actively involved at one point. Now, um, my name is on it and I have some other people running it for me, but I still oversee everything. I want to make sure everything is exactly the way it's always been. And uh, my partners do a great job. Um, and, you know, I had, a, I had one partner for almost 40 years. Uh, so it was, it was special when Vernon and I had a chance to do it. And the most important thing are the people in any organization. And, you know, just as you do the radio, the, your, all the technicians and everybody that works with you, all the people that work the boards, the commercials, all those things are very important in a restaurant business, especially now it's a tough time for everybody. And even with the PPP money, it doesn't dent the losses that we're experiencing in our industry. And I just wish more, you know, people in charge would take a step back and really look at the statistics and the job that we do in the restaurant business and just get a chance to see how diligent we are about protecting our clientele, protecting our servers, protecting everybody that's in the establishment and, and make, the, make the judgments accordingly instead of just blanketly shutting down industries. Um, it, it's been a tough year. I think there are tougher times ahead for us in the restaurant business, but you know, thank heaven for takeout, guys. I'll tell you that. Um, if it wasn't for takeout and delivery, there'd be a lot more businesses in the restaurant, a lot more people in the restaurant business out of business. Uh, Joe, this fact. year, How to Be a Champion Every Day is the new book. If I'm not mistaken, if I did my homework right, this is the fifth book that you've written? Uh, I believe it is, yes. This is the fifth. I uh, wrote two uh, AIDS guides to being How to Be a Pro, um, Idiot, Idiot's Guides to Understanding Football Like a Pro. I wrote uh, first uh, version and the second version, wrote an autobiography. And then I did a book when I, uh, when I came to the United States in 1974, I wrote a book on quarterbacking. Now keep in mind, I'd never played quarterback in the national football league, but I wrote one in Canada. I figured I could do the same thing here in the States. So, you know, that was, uh, that was another, you know, how to book, but this one here is more of a business book. Um, it's not a football book. It has obviously stories of my life in it, but, People like General Colin Powell have contributed and uh, Sully Sullenberg. I tell the story about him and the leadership that he showed um, when he landed the plane in the Potomac. Uh, different people like that. It it's, it's really takes the world of sports, the world of business and our own lives. And it shows how they all parallel with one, one another. 
may talk about goals, attitudes, opportunities, teamwork, motivation, and tell some stories. And, you know, the biggest compliment that I've gotten regarding the book, people have really enjoyed it. And I appreciate that. But they say, Joe, it sounds like you. And I think if you're an author and you want to tell a story, and this is what I do for my living is, is I do motivational speeches. You want whatever you've written to sort of sound like you. And that's the greatest compliment that I've gotten is that it does sound like me. And I appreciate it. It's available on audio too, as well. Uh, Joe, what was your, you know, inspiration behind wanting to write this book? Obviously, you've written books about quarterbacking and football and things of that nature. But what was your inspiration behind the the book on business? It's a you know, it's a great question, big boy, big big guy, big big man, <laughs> big, biggie. <laughs> I'm just calling you big. Um, what, uh, what it what it was is when I started speaking back in 1982 after we won the world championship. As I attended different receptions, different cocktail receptions and things like that, I noticed that everybody in business was talking about the same things that we were talking about in sports. They talked about goals. They talked about attitude. They talked about teamwork. They talked about motivation. They talked about seizing opportunities. You know, I mean, let's face it. The Kansas City Chiefs had a chance to repeat an opportunity. The Tampa Bay Bucks had a chance to win a second world championship, an opportunity. One capitalized on it. The other didn't. And that's all life is, is a series of opportunities. And so it got me thinking about what in the world of sports is very similar to world of business. And when you really break down our lives, those things apply as well. So I sort of took that premise and said, I'd like to write a book. It took me quite a few years to finally get it done. It's not that the, the thought or the concept wasn't there for a long time, but finally uh, I managed to, to get it on paper and, and be able to get it out, came out in June. Great time to bring out a book and during the pandemic when you really can't go anywhere uh, and meet people. But we're getting there. We're, we're going to be getting outside again soon. And I'm looking forward to getting out and doing lectures again. Is it, uh, I was dibbling a little bit in the book. Is it true that your last name is actually Thiesman <laughs> and not Thiesman? That's the true yes. story, right? It was actually pronounced Thiesman for 19 years of my life till my senior year in college. And the story goes, um, I had a really good junior year. We were a really good football team at the University of Notre Dame, the, my junior and senior year, but my junior year in particular, we, uh, were a, we had an outstanding year. And so the sports information director, Roger Valdeseri, called me in the office. He said, Joe, how do you pronounce your last name? I said, it's Thiesman. He said, no, it's not. It's actually Thiesman. I said, no, it's not. It's actually Thiesman. He said, no, Joe, your last name is pronounced Thiesman. I said, give me the phone. So I picked up the phone and called my dad back home in Jersey. And uh, I said, dad, I got a question for you. He says, far away, Joe. I said, dad, tell me, how do you pronounce our last name? And there's like this pause on the phone. And all of a sudden my dad comes on. He said, son, are you all right? You're a senior in college. You don't know who you are. What's going on? I said, I'll explain later. Just tell me, how do you pronounce our last name? He said, Thiesman, hung the phone up, turned to Mr. Valdeseri. He said, Roger, look, my last name is Thiesman. I know I just got phone my dad. He said, Joe, I want to tell you something. There's a trophy out there called the Heisman Trophy. He goes, the best college football player in the country. We think you have a chance to win that trophy, but we're not just going to count on your athletic ability nor the reputation of the University of Notre Dame, but we think by just simply changing the pronunciation of your last name from Thiesman to Thiesman to rhyme with Thiesman, we can get you that trophy. And so uh, that's how my last name was changed. It's interesting too, though, is I called my grandmother up. My grandmother was the matriarch of our family. So I called my grandmother up and I said, Granny, look, they want to change the pronunciation of our last name. She says, well, I tell you this. She says, the correct pronunciation is Tysman. And actually what they want to do is closer to what we have now. So she was okay with it. 
So I got my grandmother's permission to, to go forward with it. But and in fact, I came in second that year, right? <laughs> that's how my name was changed. Um, what, what, what then motivated you to get into motivational speaking? It was, it was, it was really that uh, attending different cocktail parties and finding out that the things that everybody really talked about in business, the way they set up the, the goals, they write down goals. Well, you walk into any locker room, WNBA, NBA, Major League Baseball, football, it doesn't matter. You see goals written down. You look at businesses, they have annual meetings to write down goals. And, and then also, you know, I started thinking, how many people out there, I, I read a study, it said 98% of the people in the world don't take the time to write down the goals they want. Let me ask you this question. Each of you, have you written down goals? I have. I actually yes. have. Yes. And, and doesn't it find that it gives you direction in your life? Absolutely. And that's really what, and so I started, so I started saying, hey, we do it in sports, we do it in business, let's do it in our own lives. And then I chose four specific areas personal, professional, spiritual, and financial. Personal, professional, spiritual, financial. Take those four areas of your life, write down the goals you want. Now, people think it's easy. How tough is it to write down goals? I mean, you know, it's paramount to doing a will. You're sitting down, you're writing down. Now you're making a commitment to yourself. You're, you now have put together this contract with yourself that you want to oblige by. And it has modifications, but at least it gives you a guideline. And I tell people all the time, you decide what you want. You write down the goals and then you figure out the price you want to pay uh, to be special. I don't believe anybody out there is average. I'm, I, average doesn't appeal to me one bit. It's mediocre, average. Those things have no appeal to me whatsoever. If you're going to do something, why not be the best at what you do? Why not? Shoot for the best. There's a when little you saying, down, you know, shoot, shoot for the stew, shoot for the stars. But if you fall a little bit short, you wind, excuse me, shoot for the moon. But mm -hmm. if, you, if you fall a little short, you wind up in the stars and that ain't a bad place to be. <laughs> no, not, not at all. When you're, when you're writing that book, Joe, uh, are you listening to music? Do you have a, a cocktail? I mean, what, what, are you, what, is, what is the mood like? Listen, I've tried to, I sat great. down and tried to write a book before. And yeah. I, I mean, a couple of pages, you know, is where, is where my brain freezes. What, what, uh, what, what's the mood like when you're writing? Very quiet. I don't, I, I don't want any distractions mentally. I just want to focus on what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, with regard to the book, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is I recorded the audio book, which by the way is available on Amazon and other places. But I recorded this book myself. I didn't have somebody narrate it for me. And that was one of the most difficult things I've ever done because you have to make sure that every word is pronounced correctly. And, and as we, as you tell stories, you know, you can tell, you can tell the same, same story five times, but there'll be five little variations of it. This has to be very specific to what the story was written about. So it was very challenging, but I, I really need quiet. Uh, it helps me focus because I'll write something and then I'll go back over it. And, and as far as the book goes, um, I had a chance to dictate it. Uh, and a terrific, terrific writer uh, helped me with it. And um, it just, it, like I said, the biggest compliment I get is it sounds like me. And that, that's a credit to uh, the people that helped me write the book. I have a question. Um, toughest, okay, your first NFL start 
or releasing your first book? Which one were you more nervous about? <laughs> my, my first NFL start was against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I just found out that somebody asked me, who was the opposing quarterback in your first NFL start? It was against the Chiefs. And actually, Mike Livingston was the quarterback. I thought it was Lenny Dawson, but it was actually Mike Livingston was the uh, was the opposer, uh, opposing quarterback at it. Um, you know, your first time into the arena is, is something I always remember. I remember my first chance at the University of Notre Dame. See, for me, my envoy into the National Football League was as a punt returner. I spent 74 and 75 returning punts uh, for the Washington football team. So that that's more nerve wracking than anything. I mean, taking a snap from center, turning around, handing the ball off is a piece of cake when you're trying to catch a ball that's 45, 50 yards down the field and it's moving in different directions. And oh, by the way, there are 10 guys that want to take your head off in the meantime. So that was a little bit more nerve wracking. But now the first start is and the whole thing about you get excited, inspired about writing a book, but it really takes discipline and focus to be able to complete it. I mean, it, it, it took me four years. I had parts of the book in the beginning, I was gung ho. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get distracted and then something else happens. And then we're going to go on vacation. And then, well, there's a golf tournament. And then, oh, they're into the season. It's like, finally, a year's gone by. So uh, a guy by the name of James Malinchek, James does these, uh, they call them masterminds. And I, James started back speaking 35, 40 years ago and really sort of got him into the business. And he finally said to me, I've done some work with him. And he said, Joe, how's the book going? I said, uh, you know, I'm close. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm sick and tired of hearing I'm close from you. I want you to give me a date that this thing's going to be done. I said, December 31st, 2017, I will finish this book. I will have a manuscript done. I finally held my feet to the fire and got it done. But, uh, the, you know, the first starts always, going back to your question, the first start in football was, it's always something you remember. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Joe, I wonder if uh, you look at all the gaudy numbers that they're putting up in the league right now and think to yourself, oh, man, if I could be planning these wide open offenses right now, the numbers I'd be putting up. They are crazy. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a very interesting question because people ask me, it's like, they, it's like watching Tom Brady stand on the podium after his seventh world championship. How special is this one? He said, everyone was special. Put into perspective, not just the gaudy numbers on the field, which was fun because I never worked out of a, I worked one game out of a shotgun. That was it. And we lost that to the Chicago Bears. It was the last game in 1984. Uh, we lost that game. So that was the only one I ever worked out of a gun where you could really look around and use your mobility and move around. But when it, when it comes to, you know, that the numbers that the kids are getting today, I mean, and look at Patrick Mahomes and, and I, you know what? I think it's great. I've heard other guys that have played in this league a long time ago and they're going, Oh man, I can't believe those kids are making that money. Oh, we, you know, we were the foundation of this game. Yeah, we were, but good for the kids. God bless them. They're in an age and they're taking advantage of a chance to be able to make money. You know, Dak, hopefully will get a contract. Uh, Deshaun's going to, who knows, Deshaun has one and they're, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do with it. I mean, you look at the numbers, 27, 30, 35, 40 million a, a guy. And then, but a lot's expected of you too. That's the other side of it. I mean, when you're a, you know, when you're a fourth round pick and you're just trying to make a team, nobody's really looking at you. When you sign a 40 million year contract, everybody's looking at you. 
And you, this is the thing that the young guys have to understand. You can't ever live up to that number. Nothing's ever going to be good enough to live up to that number. So you got yourself in a position to have a big payday and you continue to work your tail off to be as good as you can possibly be. I think Tom Brady has an example. And he's such a great example for so many things. Perseverance, work ethic. Uh, he, he raised by himself the accountability level in the Tampa Bay organization. I'm talking about front office. I'm talking about coaches. I'm talking about players. He, Peyton Manning did the same thing when he went to Denver and won a world championship. You know, they're very unique people in that way. And so what you do is you raise the level of the individuals around you. And, and that's what great leadership is. And Tom's always deflecting. And, you know, Tom's was what, the 14th highest paid quarterback in the National Football League, greatest that ever played, and just confirmed that a thousand times over this year. But yet he's not being compensated like some of these others. It was always about having enough money to be able to have guys around. And, uh, you know, Kansas City's going to be in a, you know, in a year or so, they're going to have to take hard looks at people because they've committed a lot of money to Patrick. Like I said, worth every penny of it, but you still have to be able to manage that cap. Joe, I'd like to know your thoughts. I want to turn the focus over to the Washington football team. I'd like to know your thoughts on what do you believe they should do at quarterback? Should they look for a veteran, uh, try to find somebody in the draft, or focus on bringing back uh, Alex Smith? I think, you know, you asked three great questions, and they're three specifically different areas. First of all, I wouldn't automatically discount Taylor Heineke as the guy who can play quarterback there. I thought coming in and only joining the team on December 8th and all of a sudden, you know, doing really well in the last game, in a little bit of a game and then in a playoff game, you know, we saw a little bit of a sampling of what he's able to do. If you're going to go sign somebody, uh, one of the free agents out there, you have to look and say, who is better than what we have on our roster? So that's, that's one of the questions you have to ask. You know, is Marcus Mariota or Sam Darnold, if we're going to make deals and look for people like that, are they better than Taylor? I mean, that's sort of what you have to weigh out. And Alex's situation is more than just his ability to be able to throw the football and play the game. There's an economic consideration. I mean, you know, Alex, he's at a state where he's 37 years old. The ball just doesn't go the way it used to go. Um, and so you have to look at what he's able to do physically. I know he wants to play, and I hope he gets a chance to. Whether they can afford it in Washington to have him possibly be back up at that number, I don't think they can do that. But I would not, I would keep the number one or the first round pick that they have. I would not trade that pick. I think there's too many needs on the offensive side of the ball in particular where they could get value for that first round pick. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't necessarily trade that. I don't know what the deals might be, but we've had some really, really great first round picks. I mean, Jonathan Allen, look at Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year this year, Deron Payne, uh, Montez Sweat. These guys have all been first round picks and all of them played and all of them had a big impact on what the football team was able to do this year. So to answer your question in, in a roundabout way, I would look at the free agent market I would sit down with Alex to get a feel for where he is because that's Ron Rivera is full of, it's just pure class. And that's what he's going to do. I'm sure. And they're going to sit down and evaluate it and say, okay, where are we? And then you sit down and look at the draft and you know, you're drafting 19. 
So it's not like you're in the top five. And if you look around, I, I counted in the top 12 teams that are drafting, nine of them can use quarterbacks. Nine. Just, just to fill a roster. I think there's, I think that almost, almost, you know, 12, 14 teams in the league could use a quarterback. I mean, Tampa, you got to think Tampa Bay needs one. New England needs one. Jacksonville looks like they've, you know, been sold on, uh, on theirs down there. The Jets are thinking about moving. Uh, Chicago, uh, you know, you've got, you know, what do you have? What happens with Trubisky? What happens with Darnold? What, are, you know, Deshaun wants out. This is going to be the craziest offseason when it comes to quarterback signings. And we've already seen Carson go to Indianapolis, which, by the way, is the perfect fit for him because Frank had him in, in Philadelphia. So Frank Reich knows what he's getting. He knows what his abilities are. And I think it's, a, it's great for Carson. You know, you're not going to – Philadelphia fans, heck, if you're an opposing quarterback or an opposing team coming in to play Philadelphia, it's rough. But if you're a Philadelphia Eagle and things aren't going well, it's rougher. And so for Carson, it's, it's a new start for him. And who knows, he could be the next Ryan Tannehill. Change of address, change of team, maybe things work out. Joe, what is it about the position that makes it so hard to evaluate? The teams are just constantly seem like they're getting it wrong on that position specifically. It isn't necessarily that you get the, get, make the wrong decision. I've said this time and time again, the quarterback position is the single most dependent position on the field. And the most important element other than the quarterback is the offensive line. I mean, look at the Super Bowl as an example. Kansas City lost two all-pro tackles. Patrick ran for his life the entire game. Tampa Bay's offensive line stayed intact through most of the year. And Tom was back there able to do the things that he does well. They were able to run the football. And to me, I always look at, at the end of a year, as we move towards the playoffs and end of a season, I look at how many offensive linemen or offensive lines have had starts together. You know, how many guys have played together over that period of time? That's probably a team that's going to do fairly well. But when you look at the quarterback position, normally if you're drafting high and you're drafting a quarterback, you need more than just that quarterback. Like, you know, you, you take a look at where Aaron Rodgers was drafted in Green Bay. You take a look at where Ben Roethlisberger was with the Steelers, when, won a championship. But there were so many pieces of that puzzle together around him that really, you know, he had to do, he had to play well, but he didn't have to be great. Joe, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at the quarterbacks coming up in this year's draft, but past Trevor Lawrence, how, how do you see it falling? Do you see Fields? Uh, the, the kid from BYU, I think it's Zach Wilson. Um, like, how do you see it falling after Trevor Lawrence with, with the young guys coming out? I actually like I actually like Zach Wilson a little bit better than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think mm. Trevor's a big kid, has got excellent athletic skills. They're very, very close. Uh, but what I saw out of Zach, his ability to throw the football, move around, make plays, I like him a lot. And like I say, Trevor, uh, I think Trevor's right there. They're, they're neck and neck. Uh, Justin uh, didn't really have a chance to do, I think, a lot of things that you can do. And then, you know, Ohio State has such fantastic athletes around that position. It, I think it's a tough evaluation going forward. Um, the other, there's one other one. I think Lance is the, the Trey Lance, I think is Trey the, Lance. Yep. Trey Lance is the, the other one. Those, those are looked at as the top four. And then you get to uh, the kid out of Florida, and then you get to Mac Jones out of Alabama. And, all of them are going to wind up somewhere, probably in the 
no lower than the third round, uh, maybe fourth at best. But, you know, you look, look where Tom Brady was drafted. Look where Joe Montana was drafted. I mean, you know, Montana third, Tom like a sixth, I believe. So it isn't a question of where you're drafted. It's a question of what you do when you get in. It's like, I always look at it this way. It's like trying to get into college. Once you get in, you can figure it out. If you figure it out, you'll do well. If you don't, you'll be moving on for in a, in a hurry. <laughs> exactly. It feels like the organization has been trying to get going in the right direction for some time. It feels different this time, Joe. It feels like they're actually heading in the right direction. We're all on the same page. Does it, does it feel like that to you? It does. You know, I, I think, I think the, uh, Dan's done an outstanding job in the offseason. We have four guys that have a tremendous amount of experience in quote unquote a general manager or associate general manager position from evaluating talent. You know, um, Matt, um, Martin Mayhew has been in that position. Marty Herney has been in that position. Um, you know, Chris Polian, you know, someone else has been there. I mean, they've got, they've got people as far as making decisions on personnel goes. And then you have Ron Rivera, you know, you've got four, basically I call them the four horsemen of professional football now with, with Washington, our general manager situation, but you have the tiebreaker in Ron and Ron's familiar with everybody that, that is in the front office. Uh, I think the coaching staff, there's stability in the coaching staff. The, the biggest thing that we haven't had in Washington is we haven't had stability at the quarterback position. I believe Taylor, and it's going to be close to this number, since I got hurt in 1985, okay, 37 years ago, roughly, mm -hmm. um, 36 years ago, there have been 39 different starting quarterbacks. It's incredible. You, you just, you, it's like Cleveland, look at what Cleveland went through until Baker sort of settled the, the situation down. You just can't have constant change at that position and hope to be successful for whatever reason, you know, coach gets fired, a new system comes in, it may not work, whatever it might be, but you need stability to be able to have any type of degree of success, to be able to build on it. You can't cut, you know, this is why take a look again. I use the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up until they're by, they hadn't figured out who they were. They were trying to mesh two systems, one that Tom was familiar with and one that Bruce was familiar with. And I think Byron Leftwich just did a fantastic job in an unbelievable situation. Young guy, second year coordinator, had a way that, you know, worked with Bruce a long time. And all of a sudden Tom comes in. Now, what do you do with the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game? And I'm anxious to really reach out to him. We've been friends for a lot of years. I just, I want to hear what it was like. I mean, I love to, it, it helps me with other people to be around. If you, if you really want to try and be great, study what people do that became great. How did they get there? Mm -hmm. One of the things, you know, it's, it's the work ethic. What's Tom's work ethic like? Taylor tells a great story, Heineke, when he joined the Washington football team. He was in New England for a little bit. And he said he was going to get there early the first day. He was going to get into at five o'clock. He was going to get there and start studying film. You know who was in the film room before him? Tom Brady. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's not that hard a formula to figure out, but you just have to commit yourself to it. I mean, the man he's a physical phenomenon. You know, there's got to be there's got to be genetics involved. That's all I'm I'm convinced. And maybe he's not from this planet. Maybe we need to 
to look <laughs> up, up space somewhere, you know, there's <laughs> celestial, maybe there's a celestial being, you know, they've got this thing on TV. What resident alien now is a new TV. Maybe, maybe that's the way we have to describe Tom. Because <laughs> it just doesn't seem like he's from this earth. <laughs> the name of the book is how to be great every day. Jerry Thousand, thank you so much for giving us some time today. Great to be with you guys. Thanks so much. Take care. Thank you. And a uh, little fun fact before you go, Joe, a little fun fact about your restaurant. I used to live literally a three minute walk away on Cameron Street uh-huh. from your restaurant when I was little. And I used to see your restaurant every day. Big Washington fan. And I never got a chance to go when I lived there. And I just wanted to tell you, like, that was that always meant something special to me, even though I never got to go. It always meant something special to me. Just seeing your name. Now, where are the, you living now? I live in North Carolina now, down in well, Charlotte. You, you got to drive. It's not too far. Come on. No, up. no. I, I'm going. I'm going to definitely. Know. I'm going to definitely take a visit. I have to take a visit. But it, it was it was so awesome for me today because the restaurant I looked at all the time. I, I got to talk to the man. Thanks. That's on the that's on the name of the restaurant. So well, you you let me know when you're going that way, and you and whoever you bring along would be my guest. Ah, uh, thank you. It, it'll be my honor. Thank you. You betcha. Thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. you, Joe. So Enjoy much. it a ton. Take care. All right.